This Week in Wealth is powered by Alpha Wealth Group. If you're serious about retirement and have saved $250,000 or more, call Alpha Wealth Group's Tom Fortino now, 630-934-1855 or alphawealthgroup.com. Alpha Wealth Group, retirement made simple. Good morning, Chicago. Welcome back to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink. I'm a WGN talk show host and CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company. And I'm Tom Fortino. I'm the principal and founder of the Alpha Wealth Group. Our firm is a wealth management firm. We provide income planning, portfolio management, and tax and estate planning. And you're based in the Chicagoland area. We're right here. Yeah. (laughs) Local. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. And so is WGN. All right. So if you want to talk with Tom or you want to ask us a question, we got a whole bunch this week, all on the same topic. We're Social Security. We're going to talk about that next. One more. Um, Give us a call, 630-934-1855, or you can always go to alphawealthgroup.com. All right. So Social Security. We stirred Mm -hmm. up a hornet's nest last week with our views on Social Security, apparently, Tom, and when to take it. But I think... (laughs) Right, you did, Elise. I can't believe you did that. I did that. I'll I'll own that. Uh, I have to say, I think it's pretty clear people misheard us, or at least some people misheard us. Right? I think so. I think so. It's so many moving parts here. Maybe sometimes someone interprets something we said a little differently, so we can clarify that today. Right. I thought, it, and we did get a handful of emails that um, kind of talked about things. So I wanted to uh-huh. dig in right at the top rather than waiting for the bottom of the hour to go through some of our letters, because I think this is obviously an important topic. People sure. are, you know, reaching Social Security, you know, age all the time, and they're trying to figure it out. So uh, thank you for reading my question this morning. This is from um, a guy who was listening last week. Great show. Listening for way over a year. Yay. One of our long-term listeners. So thank you. Uh, a caveat to my loaded question about Social Security. My wife has a government offset pension, which will never see my Social Security. Uh, I don't think I'm going to wait until 70. What do you think, Tom? What is a government offset pension? <laughs> Let's start with that. Well, you know, it's when you start digging into Social Security, and really this is just one piece, let's just say, one piece of the overall income plan. But it's an important part because it technically is a lifetime income. When you turn it on, it's an, technically, again, for the most part, an irrevocable decision. But there's so many decisions to make. The first is, do I take it early or do I let it delay because it grows by at least 8% per year? So there's these decisions. Then I have a spousal benefit versus my retirement benefit, and we could go down the line. Divorce spousal benefits, survivor benefits. There's also what are called um, the government offset provisions and windfall windfall provisions. So let me say this, preface it. This is general information. These are not recommendations. But, and I think it was Rostenkowski was one of the going boy going back. That is going back. <laughs> Rostenkowski. Wow. I think he it's was like 20 something this. years ago. Yeah, it's called the windfall provision and government offset. So basically what happens is if you have not if one of the spouses has not contributed to social security if they're in a there's the, for instance if you're an employee of the railroads if you're in certain government municipalities you do not contribute to social security. You are not in the social security system. And so you receive a pension or you receive something, right? And so there's what's called a pension offset. And again, this is general, but the point is normally in Social Security, um, the higher benefit stays with the surviving. So let's say I have a very high benefit or much higher than my wife's. I pass away. That higher benefit then transfers to my spouse. It's a survivor benefit. That is not true 
in the sense of when there's a government offset or there's offset provision. What that means is it is basically they take your pension and it is deducted from that benefit. So if it's higher, so let's say I have a $2,500 a month pension and the benefit is 2000 a month that my spouse had, I'm getting nothing. There is no survivor benefit. So they basically offset or deduct your pension from that survivor benefit. I hope that so makes they sense. Must, it's confusing. So they must see it as a, the government must see it as a double dip somehow because you've got the pension, which is guaranteed, but you didn't contribute to Social Security. So it's like one or the other. It's kind of that way. They've just devised this part of the rules and it went, you know, that was not originally in Social Security. Of course, they make changes and they have over the years. As I said, it used to be tax-free. It is no longer tax-free. Up to 85% of your Social Security can be taxable. But anyway, a lot of things have changed. The point is, you know, I'm not saying I agree with it, but they're saying because you have this pension, no, you're not, and you never participated in Social Security. Now, there are what are called substantial. <laughs> you're going to get. You're going to. It's there's a I deeper hole here. The substantial <laughs> earnings. If you've had 20 years of substantial earnings outside of your government job, let's say you did something else, and yeah. you have substantial earnings, you can still receive social. Again, we don't need social that, security but, because you've got enough quarters. It's like you've yeah, lived a, se- yeah, a, a second whole, lifetime. Substantial earnings, but substantial. again, I, we don't need to open that can of worms. One of the points I would share, one of the takeaways here is when you're looking to take Social Security, one of the considerations, I believe, is how is this going to impact my spouse? Again, for those that are married, and you say, look, you know, I have a higher benefit. I want to maybe defer it, so it's not only higher for my life, but if I predecease my spouse, it's higher for their life. If there's an offset provision or if they're not going to get it anyway whatever, for whatever reason, then that may not be a factor in the decision process. So I guess that's the takeaway from this. All right. Well, so this guy who wrote in said, I don't think I'm going to wait until 70 to take Social Security <clears throat> because of this. And I guess mm-hmm. that makes sense. That's, there you go. Okay. That's a, person, that's a decision. All right, so letter number two. <laughs> there were more, folks. Let me just tell you, there were, there you were just, more. Uh, yeah, I can't, yeah, at least you All right. really caused some problems here. I did, I did. <laughs> All right, so letter number two. Um, Tom and Elise, I disagree that you should always wait until you're 70. I'm single, thus have no one to assume my benefit. I can name at least five people who died and never collected a penny from Social Security. I took mine at 65. I have easily put it all into savings every month. It's available if I need it or I can enjoy it while I'm still able. One size does not fit all. Mm-hmm. Yay for you. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't this, disagree with that statement. Okay. <laughs> we, you know, I don't think that everybody should wait until they're 70. In fact, I can think of a lot of people who it made tremendous sense to take it early. Like my mother-in-law, who mm-hmm. ended up passing away at 70. She took it at 62, and uh, it made a big difference in her quality mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, there's no one-size-fits-all here when we talk about Social Security. I mean, it's an important decision. I would always say, please be careful by just going based on opinion. Like, as we're talking through this, Elise, this is the conversations Mm -hmm. you can be having. I mean, I can run, and I do. I run the Social Security analysis for individuals to say, here's your cumulative lifetime benefit if you live to a certain age. And, you know, again, it's it's not that you'll do that way. I'm more than happy to do that for anyone, but... You know, it gives you, again, it's, you're just making an informed decision. There is no perfect answer, and we've said right. that before. But if you can say, hey, I considered all these things, at least down the road, 
you won't be that person that says, man, I wish I wouldn't have locked into this at 62 because now I have this lower benefit. At least, you know, again, consider the, all these things that we're discussing today and make what you feel is the best decision considering all these factors. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about lost fortunes. Not missing money, my favorite topic, but lost fortunes. You're listening to This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Elise Glink here with Tom Fortino, the founder and principal of the Alpha Wealth Group, and you are listening to This Week in Wealth, our take on money, your money other people's money. 630-934-1855. You can call, text, uh, leave a message for us, ask a question. You can also go to alphawealthgroup.com and download all kinds of great information that Tom provides all for free uh, and get him to answer your question personally, if you like. All right. So, Tom, I have to just uh, bring this up today. You know, mm-hmm. I know that you know that my favorite thing is missing money. This isn't really mm-hmm. missing money. This is evaporating money. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of dumbfounded this week about how quickly a fortune could be erased, right? Mm-hmm. Not used up, not diminished, not just, you know, whatever, frittered away, completely erased. So Sam Bankman-Fried, who was the head of FTX, the crypto platform, he lost $16 billion in a week. We talked about this, right, a few weeks mm-hmm. ago? Sure. Yep. And, I, and I thought that was stupefyingly fast, stupefyingly. I don't use that word hardly ever except in a Harry Potter context. Um, but in this case, it really was. And yet this week, Asia's richest person lost $90 billion from his business in less than a week, actually a couple of days, in almost $40 billion. I can't even believe I'm saying this. Mm-hmm. Of his fortune evaporated. Mm-hmm. Evaporated. And it all came about because this guy, Gantam Adani, um, his company, it, there were fraud allegations that were leveled mm-hmm. by an American short seller. You always have to worry about these short sellers, right? It's yeah. not like they don't have a penny or two in the game. And then there was an investigation that was published by the Hindenburg Research Group. Again, Hindenburg? Like, that's what you name your company? That's an aside. Yeah. Um, that accused them of brazen stock manipulation and accounting fraud scheme over the course of decades. And, of course, Adani said this is baseless and malicious and they're considering legal reaction. But meanwhile, $40 billion of his personal funds and $90 billion of market value disappeared. All right. So, mm-hmm. first of all, what do you think about all this? Well, you know, we saw these are recent things. We saw it with crypto. Obviously, you can go back to Madoff. We, these are things that we can see. And I think for the average investor, I don't know if they have to be concerned about losing billions. Unfortunately, if they're in some of these things, I mean, you go back to 2008. I mean, recently, look at the real estate in China, what's happened there with Everglade and these other places, you know, when you're leveraged and there's lots of debt. So you really want to, uh, and we can go back to 2008 with the financial real estate bubble. I mean, how many people were impacted by that? And then you go back to 2000, the dot coms. You can go all the way back with, you know, the famous pollen tulip bubble that uh, now we're going way back. But it's 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 uh, <laughs> just a few hundred years <laughs> for that one. <laughs> well, it is a reference and people were buying tulips for thousands of dollars because they were anyway. But, you know, it's it's referenced in a lot of these financial books, because the point is there are these you know, you just have to be careful when you're looking at some of these things. There's there's asset bubbles in, in many cases. 
Unfortunately, you know, you can write all the regulations and rules you want, but there's going to be fraudsters and people that are just going to outright lie. And again, that is truly unfortunate. But as the average investor, you know, and, and then there's the emotional part of it, right? You know, Warren Buffett was known, is known for saying, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Right. And so and you see things on TV and not that these are bad. It's like um, purchasing, you know, if you have $100,000 for, for buying precious metals or gold. Not averse to having gold as part of your portfolio, but I'm saying, you know, these, these big moves in these things, you have to be careful. For example, like one of our portfolios, just as in a general rule, I'm going to say, and this is common, you know, we have a dividend portfolio, right? It's equally weighted across 23 stocks. You don't have overweight in any one. You have to be disciplined. You know, it's across many sectors, whether it's financials, energy, healthcare, technology, and so on. This is how you structure portfolios. You know, Chevron and Exxon are in the portfolio, but it's, again, equal weight. And they were two of the best performers on the Dow last year. But so these are things where you don't say, wow, now I'm going to put 20% in one stock. You have <laughs> I'm gonna to be very careful. I'm going to triple down. I'm going yeah, to triple down, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's where, you know, you get. So, again, it's a discipline. It's having an investment plan. It's trying to stick to it. I get it. It's tough. And we've had this conversation many times, Elise. When emotions are involved, whether it's greed or whether it's, you know, this is, or fear, either side, this is where you can really, it can really be problematic for the average investor. So this is where I say, have a plan, you know, and have a, a disciplined approach. And I like to refer to it as a smart investment approach. So I'm, it's funny because I look at all the money that people have lost in crypto. Mm-hmm. You look at the money that people who invested in Robinhood and some of these, you know, social stocks, right? Mm-hmm. Social media that they're pushing. And it feels like, you know, we're all getting too smart for our own good. You know, when the market is rising at 15% a year, everybody is a market genius. Yeah. Because there are no bad investments. You have 98% of companies rising. Everybody does well. But in a normal market, that's just not how it works. And Mm -hmm. certainly after a year like we've had, where bonds were terrible and the stock market was terrible, um, and it's still down quite a lot. Uh, you know, people are, you know, struggling, I think. And, you know, one of the questions, you know, the reason I brought up Adani is not because I feel bad for him and his, you know, 40 billion or whatever it is that he's lost. I think there's more. But the question really is, you know, how do you help people who have lost a substantial sum of money? Have your clients ever lost a fortune? And how do you help them feel okay about that if you ever can well, I can't say I've ever had them lose a fortune or had, again, probably the most common is from 2008, the real estate and, of course, in some of the financials, maybe investment stocks. And I've had some come in who've owned some flyers and, like you were talking about, some stocks that just really zoomed up that really didn't have, were not undergirded by good financials. And so, yeah, I've come across that. You know, it's basically, again, it's about taking a step back, you know, examining your overall portfolio plus your overall plan what else do you have you have to look at everything it's all big picture you know it's just like we talked about Mm -hmm. social security before that's part of your plan now you and your spouse are going to have seventy thousand of income coming in that's important to know how does that impact your investment all of these things relate and then understand and and start to create a plan i mean there's no magic pill here there's no you know magic solution to it but it's just getting back on track getting a plan in place and coordinating all these pieces that I've talked about before. Right. 
being you know, overweight, even being overweight in anything is never going to be a good recipe for, I think, long lasting, you know, profits and uh, yeah. financial resourcefulness. It's just not, it just, those things just don't go together. They don't. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll carry on with this a little bit. And, of course, we've got more questions, uh, your questions that we're going to answer. 630-934-1855. If you would like to leave us a question or talk to Tom or go to alphawealthgroup.com. You're listening to This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the second half of This Week in Wealth. If you're just joining us, I'm Elise Glink, CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company, and I'm here with Tom Fortino, the founder and principal of the Alpha Wealth Group. You can give us a call, uh, have Tom answer your question personally. Just give us a call at 630-934-1855, 630-934-1855, or you can go to alphawealthgroup.com. So, Tom, this question that we got plays right into what you were talking about just before the break mm-hmm. on some of these big market crashes. So, our, our person who emailed said, I've been listening to your show for a while, really appreciate all the information. I'm hearing a lot of mixed messages about the economy. Some people say we're heading for a crash of biblical proportions. Oh, my goodness. Others say it's going to be a mild recession. Some say we're going to miss a recession entirely. You know, how do you think one should prepare for any or all of these scenarios? Well, it reminds me of... uh Actually, I heard Billy Joel was interviewed the other day, you know, and he said, you know, he was explaining how some of his songs, I don't even remember the song, We Didn't Start the Fire. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's yeah. good. <laughs> and, uh, he goes through all the history, he goes through, you know, uh, Khrushchev and the atom bomb and all these other things. He's just reliving all the things that have history. And he said, someone accused me of saying that uh, I was saying, hey, it's not our fault. I'm pointing the finger. We didn't start it. You did. You know, he goes, that's not the point of the song. The song is, hey, life was crazy before. Life was crazy when I grew up. Life's always going to be crazy, and we're always going to have these crazy things happening. And so I guess I'm referencing Billy Joel's song for this, but the point is... (laughs) I'm hearing it in my head now. (laughs) It's a great song. You know, it's interesting. Chaz Palminteri was uh, hosting a Billy Joel thing where he's playing the songs he liked, and he said Billy Joel, he believes, was the Irving Berlin of our time, which I thought, you know, that's a good... good, Oh, I love uh, that. Wow, very poignant. You can say that also about Queen, but for sure about, or maybe even Bruce Springsteen. But anyway, we yeah. digress. <laughs> so the point is that the point is that you know life is going to continue, and there's going to be these ups yes. and downs. I mm-hmm. wonder as our world gets more, even more connected than it already is. Hello, TikTok. Um, you know, we see these sort of rise and fall politically everything Mm -hmm. there gets bigger it's almost larger than life there and the stock market has sort of been this larger than life Mm -hmm. thing over the last 15 years i mean is that but to the readers or our listeners point Mm -hmm. how do you prepare for something that could be biblical in size or it could just be a little blip and you might miss it altogether well, typically we find some of these things, we always think the worst, and then there's some exaggeration on both sides. You know, there's always this reversion to the mean, and, it, it, you know, people overreact on the upside, people overreact on the downside. That's been the history. But I would say it's, all, it's more of a personal thing, right? If you're nearing retirement and in retirement, it's different, obviously, for someone that's 20 years from retirement. When you're nearing retirement, last thing you want to do is go backwards, okay? So that's why you have to, you know, take a look. We just having that conversation just a while ago when we were talking about investments, right? right? So you have to say how much, because the market, 
historically, and it is, you know, if you look at the, the numbers, much more volatile than if you're in a fixed investment. Obviously, it's the protection of principle versus the risk. So you really have to, as much as possible, customize a portfolio that makes sense for you. If you say, look, I built up this wealth over many years and I want to protect more of it, well, then maybe half of it should be in more of the, you know, we've talked about CDs now getting over 4% on a six-month CD. Maybe I put 20% in that. Maybe I put another 20% in some things getting a better yield. Then I can take the other piece, and as we talked about, trying to have a smart, diversified approach where I do have some exposure to the market because I know with longevity, I need to have some growth to, again, provide me throughout my retirement years. So it can be just a very, it doesn't have to be as complicated maybe as some may seem, but it's on a personal level of how do we create an investment plan that makes sense for us because you can't let these short-term events you know, dictate making these big moves because, again, historically you've seen that's where the average investor gets burned and underperforms. So here's something that I think people get wrong when it comes to investing. Mm-hmm. I think people are always focused on getting the biggest possible return on their money mm-hmm. as opposed to the return they need to achieve their goals, mm-hmm. right? So they're thinking, oh, my neighbor said they got 20% in this or so-and-so gets an average return of 15% or, oh, the market last year did X, I should be getting X. But really, they may only need a 4 or 5% growth mm-hmm. rate in order to totally live happily ever after. Do you do you see that sort of disconnect going on right now where people are investing kind of like crazy people in order to achieve these outsized returns, but in reality, it's not really what they should be doing? I agree with that statement, Elise, because I think, and it's not through the fault of their own because we're just in it. You know, all this information that we get and what's going on in the market, and we're just constantly bombarded with opinions. And so we have all this information on our fingertips, and we say, well, wait, the market was up 20. Why am I not up 20? Well, you're not supposed to be in that situation. You're not 100% in the S&P or whatever it might be because we have to understand on the flip side, last year the market was down almost 20%. So it is true. And when I run the numbers, I do that a lot where I'll test someone's plan, and we'll run it, and I'll say, look, what happens if we have a lower rate of return but less volatility? You actually, in some cases, you can run it. You'll actually have a higher probability of success because you had less volatility, but you have more consistent returns. It is true, and you can run numbers to back that up. So I agree with your point. I think if you're made aware of it and you understand, yeah, you know, if I just get that, it's the old slow insurer wins the race. It's the volatility many times that is going to be a, really going to hurt you over time. So I always went back to the rule of 72. Right, so you divide by seven by whatever number goes into seventy two and that's how long it'll take your portfolio to double. So, for mm-hmm. example, if my portfolio grows at about a seven percent rate of return, it'll take ten years and it'll double. And mm-hmm. so I would imagine in my head, right, if I have a hundred thousand saved in ten years, I'll have two hundred and in twenty years, I'll have four hundred thousand. And in 30 years, I'll have 800,000. And in 40 years, I'll have 1.6 million. That's mm-hmm. going to be enough. And I'm making, I'm just giving you that example. Sure. You know, I'm not going to tell you what my secret retirement number is. But the, the whole idea being that that's a 7% return and look at the power of that. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. people miss, they think, oh, but I need a, a 15% return. 
Yeah, you know, that's true. And then you, if you add contributions into that, it's easy to run a future value. Again, I do that with clients because it's all about providing perspective. Like you said, look, and one of the simplest examples is if you've been contributing for years and you've got this chunk of money that you set aside, you have a million dollars in your retirement accounts and all these different accounts combined. Yeah, it's true. In seven years, typically, if, with at a 7% clip in 10 years, your money's going to double. And people maybe. When they start to see these things, then they realize, oh, I didn't realize that. And then on top of that, if you contribute, now it's even going to be bigger. So what is the potential for that? And so when you understand, again, having perspective on some of these numbers, it's all about knowing your numbers, right? We talk about financial organization. We talk about getting all this stuff. That's why it is so critical to really sit down and take a look at these things from what's my income going to be, what are my investments, and all of these things. And then you start creating a plan. Yep, you really do. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, a little bit more of This Week in Wealth. Uh, You can also call us, 630-934-1855. You're listening to This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink, here with Tom Fortino of Alpha Wealth Group. You can find Tom at 630-934-1855. You can also leave us a question or a comment at alphawealthgroup.com. So to follow up on sort of this conversation we were just having about how, you know, the difference between getting every last bit out of the market and, you know, what you need to actually build a portfolio you can depend on, sleep well at night with, and fund your entire retirement, those two things being mutually exclusive for many people, um, we have discussed how horrible bonds have performed over the last few years, except for mm-hmm. I-bonds. Last year, we started recommending I-bonds, and I think we're still doing that, right, Tom? Yeah. Yeah, I I-bonds. still think it's going to be part of it. Your, yeah. Uh, part of your fixed investments. Absolutely. Yeah. I th- okay. Mm-hmm. So I-bonds are good. and But bonds in general, as you just pointed out, are paying some of their highest yields in more than a decade, and it is so <laughs> attractive that I have been reading that some financial fund giants are recommending a shift from the classic portfolio of 60% stocks and 40% bonds, and they're doing a mix of 35% stocks mm-hmm. and 65% bonds because that mm-hmm. would yield 6.5% annual as opposed to, I, I don't even know what they're comparing that to. So, yeah. first of all, what the heck are they talking about? <laughs> Why did anybody that, do, it, I, What's that? Go ahead. No, you go. You go. I've already <laughs> launched my, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, it's your that's turn. what I thought by the way you were posing the question. I, yes. I, I, okay. Yeah, I mean, that seems pretty severe. I would say all of a sudden you're just going to flip a switch. You know, I always say it's more of the dimmer switch approach to investing sometimes where you may, you know, plus or minus a 5% or something like that. Again, it's everybody's situation is unique. I don't, I don't know if a sixty forty is all of a gonna all of a sudden you should flip to a thirty five sixty five. I don't necessarily agree with that, but it is true the bonds have been problematic in portfolios. I mean, people are saying, wait a minute, I you know forty fifty percent half my portfolios in bonds. Why can't why is that down? How can that be? We just have to understand bonds as you know with interest rates and the way they've been in the past. Now they're higher, so there's a shift here in a sense that you can get a higher yield. You know, the bond market is bigger than the stock market, much bigger, and bonds do have some risk. And so we've seen it. There's principal risk. If rates go up, there's an inverse relationship. If rates continue to go up, the bond values can go down. Okay, so it just, it, it you know, so when you create a bond portfolio, like a stock portfolio, 
Um, it can be a combination of things. You can even look at alternatives. I've mentioned using indexed annuities as a bond alternative. There is no market risk. You can get upside of the market, and it gets locked in every year. That's part of it. But you can also look at doing high-yield bonds. You can do CDs or I-bonds. These are all part of that fixed. You can ladder bonds. So there is an opportunity, I think, with bonds, like you said, in some of the corporate bonds. You can buy individual bonds. And so there's ways to get a nice yield on them. You just want to make sure you try, again, to mitigate risk on how you create a bond portfolio or a bond piece. Because if it is bonds, bonds are not principal protected. I just want to be clear about that. All right. Well, I just have to I have a couple of thoughts about this. First of all, I'm such a skeptic that I, I think the whole advice that you should somehow sell half of your stock portfolio yeah. when stocks are at the low to flip them into bonds that would, you know, they're making money on those bond sales. I just, you know, you can sell stocks, buy and sell stocks basically for free now almost everywhere. Whereas if you buy bonds, there's a commission that's paid, right? There can be. If a bond is sold, absolutely. So, again, journalism, financial journalism skeptic right here waving my flag saying, you know, when somebody sends you this and says, listen, this is really in your best interest and it's a form letter, how could it possibly be in everybody's best interest? So, you have to Mm -hmm. always think about the underlying reason. But, But just in terms of the market being down, I'm not sure why you would sell unless you're harvesting losses, which if you were going to do it, you would have done it last year, right, before the mm-hmm. end of the year. Now you're going to harvest losses when it's possible the market is going to you know, bounce back this year. I, I, it, it makes no sense to me. Don't, I, to me, yeah. there's this long-term strategy, and sometimes stocks go up and sometimes stocks go down. And yeah. when they go down, you only sell it if you actually need the money for something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you want to say I'm going to overweight a little bit on bonds, that's a little different. Like I said, this is a pretty severe move. And so, yeah, anytime you make these significant moves, you have to take a step back and say, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Because, again, you're doing what we just talked about. You're maybe, I don't know if it's an emotional, if you say it's an emotional move, but you want to have a plan that you can stick to over time. This is not that strategy. This is so. not that. So here's here's one thing you could do. So for every you know major um, company, if you're still working and you're going to put money in your 401k this year, and if you're over the age of 55, uh, is it 50, you can put in 30,000 this year. Is that right, Tom? Correct. Yep. So you know, if you're going to put thirty grand into your 401k this year, what you can do is for every net new, you can go into your account. Fidelity offers this. Schwab offers it. Vanguard offers it. All the majors offer this. You can decide how you want the new money that's put into the account to be allocated. And it can mm-hmm. be different from the way you've allocated everything else. And so every new dollar that comes in, if you really want to you know, overweight a little bit in bonds, you can say, okay, out of my $30,000, I'll do 50-50 as opposed to 60-40. Mm-hmm. Or I'll do sure. even 60-40 um, flipping it to bonds if you want. And that'll help you overall with your balance right? Re- mm-hmm. Rebalancing. It'll help you a little bit there. And then if the so-called experts are right and bonds stage this remarkable, have a remarkable year, you're going to benefit from that. Does that make sense? Yeah, you can do some of that. Sure. I mean, the, I think one of the benefits maybe is, you know, you always say, well, there's a good side to this that bonds did poorly. Maybe it's shining a light on this piece of the investment that maybe we took for advantage for years. It's, okay, we'll put some money in bonds. It's going to be fine. It'll get an interest. It won't really fluctuate a whole lot. No big deal. Well, 
that changed last year, right? So yeah. the bond is not as simple as we think. Like I said, you can have corporate bonds, you can have government bonds, you can have longer and shorter term durations. You know, there's other types of fixed investments. So when we look at that fixed piece of our portfolio, whatever we assign that we're saying, we want to keep it out, not keep it, but it's not going to be in the stock market. The idea of that is to not have as much volatility and have some yield. So as I said, it can be along those lines where I put a certain percent in the fixed investment, like a CD that just pays a certain fixed rate. I know it. I'll have return of principal. I can use I-bonds on a small portion. And then you can create these things. It's the same thing as we said before, Elise, not overweighting in one area. The bond market can be a little more. You can have emerging market bonds and, and international bonds. And so it's not maybe as simple as it, but it, you, you want to be understand how you're structuring that piece of your portfolio. Yeah, I think that it's really important to think about it and and think about how it can be used in retirement maybe to achieve a different goal, right? Mm-hmm. So I understand you're in retirement now um, and you want to increase your fixed income. Uh, so you're going to convert some of your stock into bonds and you're mm-hmm. going to you know leverage up a little bit on the cash side of things. I, I can understand a change in strategy that way. I can also understand putting more money into dividend-paying stocks, mm-hmm. right? So that you yeah. get the cash that way. Like, mm-hmm. what would you, you know, in general terms, Tom, you know, are those two valid strategies, and is one maybe better than the other in terms of generally providing more income? If that's the goal. Yeah, if the goal is income, certainly dividend portfolios can do that. I always say be careful because keep in mind, yeah, whatever the dividend is, if it's paying 35 or 4% or whatever, that's great, but it's still all stocks, okay? They're still yeah. in stocks. They may be value, more value than growth stocks, but please keep that in mind. So I try to be aware of that. But there are other instruments out there, again, to try to get higher yields. It's easy now because you can buy exchange-traded funds. You can buy individual bonds if you want. You can ladder them. You know, I mentioned annuities. Sometimes these indexed annuities can be a good bond alternative because they can participate in the upside of the market kind of, as I said, more of a bond alternative where you can get upside, but no principal risk. Yeah, so it's I think more that, of a fixed investment. Yeah, it's definitely more of a fixed. And for those of you who are real estate investors out there thinking that I'm just going to get my income from properties and it's all going to be fine, uh, remember that that's not really a bond. <laughs> you, have no. to, you have to put money into real estate to keep it yeah. you know, in good shape for investor, uh, for your renters. And, uh, you know, I'm experiencing that right now with an investment property I have where, you know, the mortgage is basically all paid off and suddenly we're going to have a $12,000 capital improvement this year. So Mm -hmm. that'll wipe out all of our income for the year on that property. Lots to think about. And of course, Mm -hmm. Tom, we're out of time. So, Of (laughs) of course. Well, anyway, we'll be back again next week to continue this conversation for uh, the craziest duo in money management. Uh, That would be Tom and Elise. (laughs) In the meantime, uh, reach out. Uh, We would love to get your questions, hear your comments and thoughts, get your feedback on the show, 630-934-1855. And if you'd like Tom to talk to you personally, certainly call 630-934-1855 or leave him an email at alphawealthgroup.com, alphawealthgroup.com. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back again next week on 720 WGN. 
Tom Fortino is an investment advisor representative of Retirement Wealth Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Advisor. Alpha Wealth Group, WGN, and RWA are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals specialized in fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered by retirement wealth advisors. Insurance and annuities offered through Alpha Wealth Group, licensed in Illinois. Tom Fortino and Alpha Wealth Group are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.